Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode. And um, we're speaking today actually with, I won't say a longtime friend, but I had the opportunity to connect with Kate McFadston. Wow, it's been about a year ago, Kate. Is that right? I think so. Just about that. So I I have another podcast, kind of a side project that at the moment is on hold. But Kate uh, and her fiance, now fiance, uh, were, were on the show. I had the opportunity to interview Kate and Andy and it was a privilege, and uh, we can link to that actually in the show notes for those of you who are curious. It's a podcast about relationships called A Love Portrait, and uh, Kate and Andy had, were, were sharing at that point their journey, where they were in the relationship, and what they've learned, and so make sure you check that out. But Kate is also a photographer and an experienced one at that. You mentioned earlier to me, Kate, that you've been in business for nine years. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, started in 2010. I can't even believe that. And, and by the way, congratulations, because as we, I think, pr- pretty much all know, businesses tend to kind of fall by the wayside pretty quickly. So nine years in business is pretty awesome. Uh, just for the sake of introduction for our listeners, what is the focus of your photography business? What type of photography do you offer and whereabouts are you based? Sure. So I am based in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and my team and I photograph all over the country and the world. And we specialize in weddings, boudoir, and branding. That's what we've really niched down into. Branding. That's interesting. Okay. So I know that this is something that has become a little bit more popular. When you say branding, how do you about go about getting that business and what does the photography actually look like? Well, I started by talking to the preferred vendors that I have on my preferred vendor wedding list. Okay. And part of that community and that friendship and relationship that I have with them, I was offering a complimentary 15-minute session annually, and they could have that be for headshots or photos of their space or if they had an event in action, something like that. That's so great. I was unknowingly creating brand photos for them. And then I became connected with the community that my business and life coach has put together. Okay. And that's largely where I serve female entrepreneurs. That's kind of what we specialize in with branding is female entrepreneurs who need digital media support. And then that's blossomed into connections in our local hometown and then people who know other people. And it's just been growing like crazy ever since. Wow. Okay. So I, but I have to get back to what you said a second ago, which was the complimentary <laughs> 15 minute headshot session that you offer mm-hmm. these, these vendors that you're working with. And it's funny cause I've, I've talked about this for some time now, the significance of adding value to the relationships that we want to develop, the, the, the work relationships that we want to develop in order to grow our business. We can't just go into those relationships asking for something or expecting something. I think the focus on adding value in various ways is really, really important. But I, I think it should be default for everybody, really, to, to do something like, like you did, which is to offer those sessions just complimentary, not expecting anything other than to try to add value, make a difference in their lives and their business by mm-hmm. doing something for them. I think that's a beautiful example for us. Thank you. And I think it actually probably blossomed from one of your earlier <laughs> podcasts. I couldn't tell you which one, but there was something about creating value with that community and other vendors. And so I started doing that about, I would say, a year and a half ago. And it's been really great. I mean, you're working with an amazing team and you get to work together. And it was just a little value add that I could offer them. And, you know, I mean, to this point, and I don't want to spend too much time here, but I, I think we need to emphasize again the significance of relationships that aren't just surface level. And mm-hmm. this can look different ways. But, but when I think about wanting to actually connect with somebody that I work with, it's going to go beyond, hey, how's it going? How long have you been in business? All right, let's go do this thing. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to actually get the opportunity to know them in a little bit deeper level. And one of the opportunities that might present itself or that we can create for ourselves ultimately is to do this very thing to add value by offering a session, whether it's a headshot, you know, new headshots for a website or maybe even photographing 
Um, I know that that in the past, my business, we photographed a, a wedding coordinator and her family. And that was a relationship that ultimately blossomed and turned into a lot of business, but it was a way to add value and benefit the relationship. And uh, again, I think this is a great example. So for all of those wedding photographers in particular, but portrait photographers for that matter as well, relationships you want to develop, focus on how you can add value. And this is certainly one of the default ways that we can. It's, it's, a, it's a gift that we have. It's a tool that we have. And uh, I think it's a great example to, do, to go about doing this thing, to offer free photographs for those that we want to work with. Now, talk to me about your photography business's brand position. You, you talked about the services, but of course, many times there's a difference between the services and, and what our business or our brand is actually known for, more specifically known for that maybe nobody else in our market does. And so I'm curious what you would define as your photography business's brand position. Sure. So our brand position is listed right on the homepage of our website. We are offering compassionate and consciously curated photography experiences for adventuresome souls. And that really boils down to, you know, everybody says, oh, I I love to offer a really great client experience. And we do because the most important thing to us is making sure that we're capturing the absolute essence of either a couple a woman or a business. So we're really, really compassionate when it comes to listening to what's important to them, where they've, what they've gone through to get to where they are today, either in their relationship or as a woman or a business. And then we are consciously curating that photography experience to match exactly what they want to emulate, what they want to have captured really on a deep level. And we work with a lot of adventuresome souls. So people that are looking for, you know, engagement sessions outside of where they live or driving a little bit from where they live or for a boudoir session, maybe they want to go outside or for branding, maybe we're taking their photos in a destination location where they happen to be for a retreat. People who are really looking to bring in that adventure and spice of life into their photo experience. So first of all, props to you for having that position statement on the homepage of your site. I mean, literally, and for those of you listening in, go to clemklemstudios.com and you can actually see this homepage. First thing right there, compassionate and consciously curated photography experiences for adventuresome souls. Um, So props to you for having it right there front and center, number one. Number two, also for being able to very concisely and um, a funny word to, be, to use here, but efficiently communicate what, <laughs> what that is, right? And what I mean by that is there, there are so many conversations I've had with photographers where I ask about a brand position. And I mean, first of all, to be fair, the, brand, the idea of a brand position is not something that's talked a lot about in the photography industry. And mm-hmm. for those of you who are curious to understand the details of this more, I'm actually reading, I just started a book, actually. It's called Positioning. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually by an, a couple of authors, Jack Trout and Al Rise. Um, who also, I believe, wrote The 21 Immutable Laws of Marketing. We'll link mm. to both of these books in the show notes. But it's not a conversation had enough, enough I think, in our, in our market. In fact, I posted this on my, my stories today, and I'll just read it here because this is all extremely relevant to what you're talking about, Kate. They, they define this idea of positioning in the book, and it says, but positioning is not what you do to a product. Positioning is what you do to the mind of the prospect. That is, you position the product in the mind of the prospect. And then they go on to say, but changes made in the name, the price, the package are really not changes in the product at all. They're basically cosmetic changes done for the purpose of securing a worthwhile position in the prospect's mind. And then here's kind of the key thought to finish it off. Positioning is the first body of thought that comes to grips with the difficult problem of getting heard in our over-communicated society. And you know, when I think about that over-communicated society, it's so many photographers are saying so much of the same thing. For a while, there was a trend you saw, like it was you pick three words that represent your brand. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's cute. And, and maybe it kind of works. And maybe somehow in some cases, it was actually tying into a position of the brand. But how much did that actually mean to the client or potential client? And then how did that actually set the photographer apart in the client's mind in such a way that when they want, for example, adventuresome photography, they immediately think about Kate. And Clem Studios, I want to go there because I know that that is what Clem Studios represents. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's really important to have a distinct brand position. And so anyway, I I won't continue on about that any longer. But (laughs) but those books and particularly positioning, if you all have not read that before, grab a copy. We'll link to those both both those books in the show notes. 
you can check it out. And again, I have to give you major props, Kate, for for being really clear and concise, knowing what it is that you offer and uh, putting it front and center for everybody that comes to the site. From all that you've learned as a business owner, you've been in business for nine years, what is the most significant piece of advice that you could share with a fellow photographer? I think the biggest piece of advice that I could give another photographer would be start before you're ready and never stop learning. There's a lot of fear that can come up. Fear is a really, really big limiting belief for a lot of people. And whether that looks like a flavor of, I don't know enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not good enough, start before you think you're ready, because that's going to propel you beyond anything that you've even imagined. I know that it's really scary. I know that it can be really vulnerable to put yourself out there. But then if you pair that with continuing learning and always absorbing information and putting yourself out there and wanting to learn new things, you are going to go so much farther than you could have ever imagined. I started very early in my career and I somewhat held myself back with that when it came to you know the fears that I had and things that were holding me back. And I wish that I would have jumped in even deeper, even sooner. Yeah. And the thing about fear, at least that I'm learning personally, is that a lot of times it's just something that we create for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? I mean, do you yes. find that you, some of these fears that you've experienced that you kind of put those in place, whether consciously or subconsciously in your mind? Oh, absolutely. They're all stories that I'm making up either. Ah, yeah. Oh, somebody's going to think this about me, or I'm thinking this about myself. I mean, everything really is a story that we're making up. And it's the way that we choose to believe it or feed into it that can affect the decisions that we make and the outcome that we have. Wow. Well, and first of all, you're a great communicator. You sum that up so brilliantly, but I, I like to focus on the idea of stories. And mm-hmm. we do, we tell ourselves stories, we tell other people's stories. And right. the question is, do those stories actually benefit us? And exactly. Uh, I, I had, you know, I, I rode, motor, rode motorcycles. Um, it's kind of my, my hobby. It's the thing that I do to challenge myself and kind of get outside uh, of my head, or at least that was the thought. But I actually had a, a wreck <laughs> back in around the first of the oh. year. It was on a bike that I had purchased not too long before, which had made a significant difference in the way that I was able to ride. It, it gave me a certain amount of confidence. What was Mm -hmm. interesting, what has been interesting, and what I'm kind of working through right now is that after that wreck, there is a certain amount of fear. And I can pinpoint exactly what happened that caused that wreck had nothing to do with the bike. It didn't take away in any way from the significance of the way that that bike is built and it enables you to ride through corners just beautifully. But I've, I've now kind of created certain amount of fear in my mind that has gotten in the way of just trusting what that bike is capable of. And it's inhibiting me as, as a rider. But mm-hmm. I'm very self-aware of the fact that I've I've created that. So now it's a matter of just simply stepping beyond that fear. I'm getting ready to go to the track next month, and hopefully that's going to be a really great environment in which to do that. But all this to say, I think it's it's interesting, and, and we should develop a certain amount of self-awareness to realize that a lot of that fear internally, whether it's with regards to business or some element of our personal life, is created. And maybe we just need to change the narrative or change the story, as you point out. I think that's really great advice for all of us. Let's let's talk about time. This is a theme on the podcast. What is something that you do to create time for yourself, your fiance, uh, for doing more than just work? Do you have a, a workflow tip or trick or technique that you can share with our listeners? Absolutely. I wrote this in all caps. It is outsourcing and asking for help. That is the biggest technique for time that I have ever taken on. And I promise to anybody listening, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but the first outsourcing that I actually did was outsourcing my editing to photographers edit. I was, this was probably, I think four years ago now, and I was managing a restaurant full-time as well as growing my wedding business. And I knew that going into the busy season, I just was not going to have time. And I happened to hear about photographers edit from a Jasmine star webinar. And I looked into it and said, yep, like no questions about it. So that was the first thing I outsourced. I also outsourced my accounting, social media, uh, my admin tasks, a majority of my blogging. And then I'm also very, very okay asking for help. I hired a business and life coach about a year and a half ago. And the outsourcing and the coaching paired together, It's those are the two best decisions I could have ever made for my business. It's freed up so much time, which leaves space for so many bigger ideas and bigger concepts to take on. 
Well, and first of all, I have to say thank you so much for the shout out. We really didn't talk about this ahead of time. So it's not in my outline in front of me on the screen or anything of the sort. I do appreciate that, Kate. And, I'm, and truly, I'm glad that it's made a difference. In fact, we were talking about this before we started recording. Um, if, if I didn't get to be involved in businesses that were actually making an impact in the lives of, in this case, photographers, it, it would just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be fulfilling. Uh, it would feel mm-hmm. very empty. And so it's, it's encouraging to hear that it is making a difference. But you talked about the, or you kind of made this correlation between asking for help and, and the significance of delegation or outsourcing. Mm-hmm. And something that comes to mind is the significance of setting aside ego in order to do that. And now ego sounds like a harsh word. I don't mean to suggest that everybody's walking around with this massive chip on their shoulder. Uh, but we we think a lot of ourselves and our opinion and our thoughts and how we feel about things. I mean, I raise my hand here too, but it takes a certain amount of setting that aside in order to be able to ask for help, which really is essentially the same thing as delegation as well. I've learned this personally as of late, but can you comment on that a little bit, kind of setting yourself aside for the sake of being able to grow by asking for help? Yeah, that was one of the harder uh, tasks or practices to take on. Outsourcing my editing was pretty easy for me because I'm not a strong editor. I'm not someone that goes into Photoshop and creates these, you know, beautifully heavily curated images. So that was easy handing it off to a professional in that sense. But when it came to admin or blogging or other facets that were other faces of my business, I felt very controlling around that. And that was something that I was able to give up and knowing that done is better than perfect. And that's not saying that the work that's put out because I asked for this help, for admin help, for blogging help, for social media help, that's not saying that what they're putting out isn't wonderful because it is. Right. But maybe they put in one word that's different than something that I would have put in. That's perfectionism. And that's something that I get to let go of because the message is still being communicated just as good or even greater than I could have possibly done. So setting aside the concept that I am the one, I am the only person that can do this, that can be a really big, another limiting belief that people sometimes don't set aside and that can hold them back from releasing some of that energy, releasing some of that time that they can then put into other more important tasks. Oh, this is good. And and I'm going to break the fourth wall and be a little bit transparent here. Sure. <laughs> um, Haley, who, who edits our podcast and is ultimately heading up digital marketing, there have been a lot of conversations that I've had with her over the last couple of years or so that she's worked with us about the content that we push out to social media. And, mm-hmm. and I have to be honest here. And Haley, I know you're listening in. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Um, she's editing these podcasts. But, um, you know, there is, there is an interesting element of what you just described, Kate, which I'm probably guilty of or have been guilty of multiple times over where I, I get really particular about our copy and the way that we say certain things. And I'm like, hey, can you go back and change this or do this differently? Probably, and, and probably, not even probably, definitely to the detriment of our productivity and being able to focus on moving forward. I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with creating and, and managing expectations when it right. comes to this process of delegation. We think about Photographer's Edit, for example. We have this whole system in place that enables photographers to communicate clearly, concisely what it is that they're looking for in the editing so that we can match their editing style. And that's the communication, the management of expectations. And and same thing falls or same thing is applicable when it comes to something like getting help with your social media, for example. But mm-hmm. you make a great point, Kate, and it's a good reminder for me as well that, you know, those the the individual words, the slight change in voice and the bigger picture probably isn't going to make that big of a difference. And to micromanage that can be detrimental to the progress of your business and ultimately the freedom that you can experience as a business owner. And um, so I think this is a great reminder, especially for those of you listening in, if you've not gone through this process of delegating some aspect of your business, it doesn't just have to be about editing. Uh, remember that it's not, and, and actually I, I keep bringing this up, but my good friend Thomas Flint is a photographer up in New York. And he is, he pointed this out in one of the episodes that we did in the past where he said, you know, this idea that we can't, that, that we're not willing to, that, that we think that our way is the only way, that mm-hmm. it's it's the only thing or it's the only way to go about it that is good enough suggests that we think that we're just better than everybody else. 
And, right. and that kind of ego, we talked about ego earlier, that kind of ego, it, it really can get in our way, it can get in the way of the progress of our business, and it can get in the way of, of freedom as a business owner. And so learning to set that aside for the sake of growth and freedom, I think is, is so important. I, I really appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts on that. And like I said, good reminder for me, Haley, thank you for all you do too. I have to throw that in there. Let's let's talk just very briefly about you as a photographer. I, I know we're talking a lot more philosophically today, but I have to at least ask you a fun question, which is what is one of the most unusual things that you have in your camera bag? This doesn't have to be a camera or a lens um, that enables you to be a better photographer. Sure. I would say it's got to be glue dots. <laughs> really? So, okay. Yes. So I use glue dots for when I'm setting up a macro ring shot, if it's on a unstable surface or something, if I'm propping a ring up on its side and it might roll away. I also use glue dots if I'm putting a dress in a doorway and it's just a little bit slipperier of a wood or a finish than I'd like. I put a glue dot right on the end of the hanger and that helps hold it in place. I've used glue dots for you know holding down a veil. I've even used them if part of a dress is loose, like a lace piece is coming up and the bride's you know, upset by that. And we'll just put a glue down on there and it's clear. They are my little magic clear dots. That is, I think this has to be some of the best advice or not even advice, like little (laughs) tips that we've had on the podcast yet. I've never personally used a glue dot. So I'm assuming that you can remove them after the fact. Are they just adhesive, um, but they call them glue or how does it work? They come off super easily. It's almost like a a hot glue dot like okay. right before it dries. There, I get them either at Office Depot or Office Max, any office supply store, and they just come in small little discs about the size of your you know, pinky nail, and they peel off, and you can ball them up. You can leave them flat. They're pretty versatile. That's really cool. Okay, well, we'll I'm sure <laughs> Haley can find a link to, to them in the show notes on Amazon or somewhere that we can link to. So for those of you listening in, by the way, the show notes, Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com, Go to this episode, and, and there are detailed show notes that go along with the episode. Haley's gone to the extent not only of including links that, that we refer to, but also even time stamping elements of the episode. So you can jump to those and listen to those particular elements if you don't have a full hour to listen to an episode. Make sure you take advantage, bocapodcast.com, and we'll, we'll certainly link to the glue dots. Um, let's jump on to our primary focus today, Kate, which is something that I'm, I'm really excited about, genuinely excited about. You know, we, we hear a good bit in our industry these days, fortunately, about the significance of having a why that drives everything that we do. If, if, if I'm to talk about my why personally, uh, it would center around two concepts, time and relationships. And so if you look at my podcast, you look at Photographer's Edit, I'm in the process right now of, of launching, getting ready to launch another business, uh, which we'll talk about at some point in the near future. Um, it, it centers around, they center around either time or relationships or both. And of course, I can speak to why those con- concepts are important to me. But leading up to our, our conversation today, you said via email that leading with love and spreading love are my calling in life. And having that shine through the experiences I provide is one of the biggest responsibilities that I have. So I, will you comment on that statement, explain kind of where this calling comes from and what the backstory is? Absolutely. So this positioning, my why, has been developing over probably the past four or five years. As a wedding photographer, I'm around love all of the time. And same with boudoir and branding. For boudoir, they either love a significant other or themselves. For branding, they love their business and what they're creating. So I was noticing these topics of love continually coming up. And when it came to wedding photography, that's the most intimate interaction that I'm having with two people that are in love is through their engagement session and their wedding. And I was recognizing these energies that were coming off of certain couples that were so strong and you could tell that they were so connected and kind of the, almost the iconic love stories that you want to be connected to where it was like a beacon of light shining out of, oh, these two people are so very clearly meant to be together. And at the time when I started recognizing that, I myself wasn't in a happier, healthy relationship. I was in a point where I knew that I deserved better and I wasn't sure how to get there or what that looked like. So fast forward to now and I am in the happiest, healthiest relationship of my life. This is everything that I have visualized, everything that I know that I deserve, that he deserves. And I would say that, you know, not to be 
cutesy, but that this is what's meant to be and that we're Mm. meant to be together. And whether it's, you know, fate or divine intervention or whatever it may be, recognizing that there are these powerful love stories around us and how powerful love is, that it can change lives, it can affect who we are as a person, who we are as a business owner. Just seeing that overall theme was life-changing. So what became very clear to me was that I am a fierce celebrator and cultivator of love. And I want that to translate into the photo experiences that I'm providing. So with wedding and engagement couples, asking them questions that get them to think a little bit deeper throughout their process, that's giving them you know, ideas of important conversations that they should be having before their wedding to ensure that they're still having a happy, healthy, long-term relationship. Or it's providing fun date night ideas. Anything around love and spreading love and making sure that the people in my community that I'm connected to are seeing love and cultivating it in their own lives, that feels like it is my life's mission. And it's, I mean, when I think about a reason for developing, you know, I've got to come up with a better word than passion because it's it's a word that's used a lot, but it has significance here. Um, Mm -hmm. the, The passion that you have for love and the difference that it can make in one's own life and relationships. Um, I, I think about an emotional impact or an emotional experience that you've had. You had the negative experience in a bad relationship, and then it, you have this stark and beautiful contrast to that in your relationship now. Would you say very simply that that experience going from the bad to the good and seeing the impact that it's had on your life is ultimately then what drives what you do through Clem now? Yes, absolutely. That Andy is my guiding light and the greatest partner that I think somebody could ask for. Wow. Well, props to you, Andy, because um, <laughs> I, I mean, the last time that we had a conversation, I alluded to the, to the podcast episode uh, prior and, and we'll link to this in the show notes. Again, you all might be curious to hear the backstory here. It's um, quite interesting. It's entertaining as well. And uh, you might even learn something. But um, props to you, Andy, for, for being the individual and the partner that, that you are and have become. And uh, I'm truly excited for you, Kate. I, I, I love love myself and um, <laughs> I'm fascinated by relationships. It's why I, I started the podcast and I wanted to, to learn more about that process. And I don't know, maybe at some point we'll do a second episode. We'll bring Andy on and we can talk about <laughs> relationships and how that, that relates to the photography business a little bit more. But Sure, this we'd is, love to. I, yeah, I, I may truly have to take you up on that. But this has made such an impact for you. And, you know, I, I think back to something, I think I've alluded to this on, on the podcast before, but Tony Robbins talks about what what causes change in our life. And there is, you know, we, we all kind of tend to react or act based on a desire to avoid pain and to gain happiness. And, um, but these are ultimately emotional experiences and then ultimately responses that drive those changes. If those experiences are significant, emotion, emotionally significant enough, then we'll make a change. The, mm-hmm. this, this experience has been significant on an emotional level for you so much. So it's made such a drastic impact on your life that you're not only talking about the, the idea, the concepts behind it, but you've ultimately weaved it into your business and you've done it in a really interesting way. I don't know that I've ever heard of anything like this before, but you've actually created a membership for your clients that, that actually is meant to cultivate or encourage love. What is, what's the name of that membership? So the membership is called the Clem Club with a K. Try to keep it pretty on brand there. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, explain the, the significance of Clem as, as a name for your studio. Oh, sure. So it's actually my initials. My full name is Kathleen Louise Elizabeth McFadden. And when I was growing up, instead of my mom writing out Kathleen McFadden on all of my school supplies before I shortened everything to Kate, she would just put Clem because nobody else would have those initials. That's really fun. Okay. I, I love the backstory. <laughs> but you call this just the Clem? Uh, the Clem Club. Clem Club. I'm sorry. Okay. So this club, talk to, to us a little bit about what this membership actually, well, first of all, what, what does it actually involve? And then I want to get into how you developed it. Sure. So the Clem Club is a year-long membership. It can either be for couples or just one of the partners in a couple or anybody that's looking to have just a healthy relationship. They don't even necessarily have to be in a relationship. And 
throughout the year, we're focusing on, you know, quarterly fireside chats, which is what I'm, you know, sort of cutely calling them, but getting together in person, or if they're able to attend virtually, we can do that as well. Four times throughout the year in my studio location, having deep conversations. And then that pairs with monthly online workshops, whether that's around goal setting for your relationship, um, coming up with date night ideas, things that you want to streamline in your relationship, whether it's, you know, the delegation of chores or uh, budgeting or anything like that. Any conversations around having a healthy, sustainable, happy relationship, they're all fair game during those chats. And then also fun things like pop-up happy hours, an annual holiday party. On the photo side of it, they have two annual mini sessions included, a private Facebook group to keep conversations going. The whole overarching concept is to have a safe space in a like-minded community where you can have these conversations that maybe you're not able to have that opportunity amongst your quote-unquote regular friends or with your family. We're providing a space where people can be heard. They can feel it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to ask questions and know that they're going to get really high-level, loving, compassionate support in return. Wow. I mean, truly, I've never heard anything like this before. I think it's a brilliant idea on on multiple levels. But first of all, does it cost anything? Like, what is the the fee structure for it? Yeah. So there's, it's either 97 a month or 1100 for the year. Okay, cool. And then when it it comes to these get togethers, whether it's the quarterly get togethers or um, the the monthly, the monthly workshops, I guess you said are web based, but the happy Mm -hmm. hours, I'm thinking about the in person get togethers. Do you usually Mm -hmm. have a pretty significant turnout? What, What does that look like? We're actually in the beta phase right now. So it's a lot of the planning and having the conversations with people to get them even open to this idea of a membership. Because like you said, I, I personally can't think of, you know, anybody else that's doing something like this. So it's a very foreign concept for people. So right now we're opening up the conversations of talking about relationships, the importance of community, things like that. But when it comes to pop-up happy hours and, you know, if I'm based in Wisconsin, so if you said there's going to free be free beer, <laughs> most people show up. Hey, you literally uh, on the homepage of your site, it says, <laughs> let's be friends, grab a cyber beer and join the party. And then you have the, the newsletter sign of it. It's a, again, a, a great a variation on sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're, we're in a uh, very social, sometimes paired with alcohol state right here. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay. So you're talking about, and this being in kind of the beta phase right now, talk mm-hmm. to us about the development of this. Like what is the, how do you go from ideation to the actual creation and implementation of this type of membership? Well, the idea first came to me because I am in a coaching mastermind and we're broken into smaller groups where we hold each other accountable, bounce ideas off of each other. And a few of the other members that were in my group were mentioning the memberships that they were creating. And they're not photographers. These are all female entrepreneurs of different fields. And I was in a lot of self-care, holistic wellness uh, people. That's who I was connected to in my group. And it made perfect sense for what they were creating. So I was thinking, you know, how can we do this in a photography aspect? And I was very focused on just the photo portion, but that felt really detached from the actual impact of this of, yay, you get too many sessions a year, you know, who who cares? You can sign up for that anyway. Right. And so going into that deeper thought of what is my why? How can we create more impact with that? So the first step was creating a Facebook group. So I have a Facebook group called Love Always Kate, Celebrating and Cultivating Your Relationship. Very simply, just opening up those conversations about love and either it's loving yourself, loving your significant other, improving the relationships you have with friends and family, and then just spreading positive conversations. You know, on Saturdays, we do significant other brags where people can comment on, my husband put the laundry away today and I'm so excited. Or (laughs) my wife made a really awesome dinner, even though she had a super busy week, anything like that to get those positive conversations started. And then the next step has been doing more Facebook lives on the uh, docket for this year. We'll be doing some virtual Zoom calls, 
probably tailored around, you know, goal setting in your relationship or goal setting for your life or having hard conversations, things like that, where we can hone in even deeper on, okay, who are the target people that we are really talking to and who are the people that are interested? So really gauging what conversations are resonating with people. And then the next step will be probably towards the end of this year, bringing it all together. We have the information out there and published for the membership in case there's anybody that says, yep, I am absolutely a yes. This is a perfect fit for me. But then towards the end of this year, really pairing the photography and conversations together and fully diving into the membership and enrollment. Now, you're describing all of this, and it seems like it would be extremely time-consuming. How do you manage to balance? Because you know, the idea of, of doing something that goes beyond just photography, as you pointed out, that, that ties deeply into your life mission, your why, I, I think this is a, a concept that will be extremely appealing to a, a lot of photographers. But mm-hmm. then the question therein is, is time. Like, how do I have the time to do this on top of my photography business and still work on my own relationships at home? How do you manage all of this? I have a VA who is a saint. Awesome. <laughs> She handles a lot. She does all of my social media and a lot of my admin tasks. We meet once a month to look at what our overall goal is for that month and making sure that the conversations that we're having on social media really align with this message and mission of spreading love. Okay. So the most, the bulk of the social media that work that she is doing is in my Facebook group and then my Instagram. So we're making sure that those conversations in the Facebook group leading up to this membership are very focused on positivity, love, but keeping it real and be like, hey, you know what? Sometimes things are hard. Here are some tips to combating difficult uh, conversations or hard times. We're very focused for that. We typically meet for about two hours once a month, and then we check in once a week. So outsourcing to her is a great way that we can stay on top of our time, making sure that we're making the most of it. And then, I mean, I'm not just talking the talk, I'm walking the walk. So I make sure that I have fairly set work hours. So usually within an hour of Andy coming home, I am done with work. And then sometimes we have a project we're working on together. Sometimes we just take our individual time and he plays a video game and maybe I'll go out with some girlfriends. But we're always checking in, making sure that, you know, hey, how was your day? Really? How are you feeling? Um, you know, you seem a little bit off, you want to go outside and have a bonfire, have a beer, making sure that we're having those connection points. And we set aside monthly date nights, we do quarterly getaways, and we just put them on the calendar. That way it's already on there. It We don't have to think any more about it. And then that also allows for us to have some flexibility too. If Andy comes home and he says, you know, I've got lesson plans that I have to do. I say, great, I'll work on this sort of a thing. It's all about that open communication, but still having some boundaries of, I'm done with work at this time. You're important to me. Let's set aside this time to work on a relationship. And then just knowing that my VA is taking care of the rest of it and those important conversations. And did you find the VA yourself or did you go through a service or what did that look like? I found her myself. She is actually the wife of one of Andy's best friends. And I wasn't even aware that she offered this service. And I happened to be having a conversation with her about how I needed some support. And she said, do you know, that's exactly what I do. Wow. (laughs) So great. Let's work together. (laughs) Wow. And this is something that she does full time or just as kind of a side gig? Uh, Full time. Yes. Wow. I I wonder if maybe do you think that we could link to information about her in our show notes as well? Uh, Sure. So her name is Kasner Marketing. I'll be quite honest. I'm not sure if she's taking on any more clients at this time. Uh, She also is a creative and a crafter herself. So she's growing her Etsy business as well. But she loves having conversations with people. So you could definitely reach out to her. Perfect. And and Kasner, how's that spelled? K-A-S-S-N as in Nancy, E-R marketing. Perfect. And we'll link to that in the show notes. And we've talked about VAs in the past in the podcast. And honestly, this is something that I'm, I'm at a stage right now where in addition to the wonderful team that I have, the idea of having a VA to help with some other tasks to free me up even more is really ap- appealing. So mm-hmm. um, this may be something I have to, to look into personally as well. But, but uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. You talked about goals, setting goals with your VA. What are your ultimate goals for this program, for this club that you've created for your clients? 
I would love to work with 25, I'll say individuals, but with their membership, they're allowed to bring a guest to any of the meetings. So 25 to 50 individuals that are really committed to growing their relationships. And beyond that, I honestly don't know what that impact looks like. That's just the number that when I've visualized this membership that keeps popping up for me, that feels like a really great fit. And from there, you know, who knows how many other people, those 25 people can impact when they come back from a meeting or a workshop and say, wow, you know, this community that I'm in, they were talking about this topic and, you know, I tried this thing and it really worked for us. And she's telling a friend who might not be a great fit for the membership, but that really resonates with her. And then they start practicing that and their relationship is happier and healthier. I honestly don't know what the end impact looks like, but I know that we want to start with 25 individuals, fairly local to our area, that we can really build a strong community that they can like, know, trust, and love. Well, but you you said, you alluded to this idea earlier of not necessarily having all of the answers, but but stepping out and going for it. You, mm-hmm. I, I think what you have described here is a, a extremely healthy balance of planning, but then also going for it. So you have an initial goal in mind, but you don't know what it's mm-hmm. going to turn into. And yet it's all rooted in this thing that that is really a mission for you in life, which is beautiful. I mean, and it goes beyond you. It's not about you. It's some, it's about something that's bigger than you in the end. Mm-hmm. And you point right. out the, the reality, which is that those couples who become, or maybe even individuals who become part of this club, they can potentially impact others. And so the reach is even greater in the end, which is a, a really beautiful thing. You talked about the the classes or the workshops. Who is going to be teaching those? Are you bringing experts on? Or are you sharing what you've learned, maybe a combination of the above? It'll be a combination. So I think sharing part of my story and my journey paired with what I've learned in my business and life coaching will be impactful. Just keeping that authenticity in the membership of here's why I created it. And here's what is possible. Not saying that my path is the only path, but just that it's one of the possibilities, but then also bringing in other experts. So like my business and life coach, she's really, really wonderful around mindset and abundance. I'm also connected to other couples coaches that they would be a really great resource. I'm lucky to have a great community that I can pull from and feature them as well. So I imagine it being a collaboration between myself and a number of people. Well, and, and getting that, I don't know, the combination I think is really great because there's some transparency and vulnerability that, that ultimately leads to connection with your clients, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a significant element of the value that you're, you're adding through this, this club. I mean, you know, the, the reality is that it may ultimately drive additional business to your actual photography business, but right. you're going way beyond that and, and adding value. And then through transparency, have the opportunity to connect with these clients in a way that you wouldn't necessarily have had as just their so-called photographer. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's a really beautiful thing. But then I, when I think about outside experts, bringing outside experts, and I was actually just listening to a, a really impactful podcast uh, episode. Are you familiar with Dax Shepard, the yes. actor? Yep. Yeah, so he's got a, a podcast um, that I've listened to uh, a little bit over over time, but it's called Armchair Expert, and he did a recent episode with Esther Perel, who I'm a huge, mm. huge fan of. She wrote Mating in Captivity as a mm-hmm. book that I've, I think I've probably talked about here on the podcast before. She has done at least one, maybe two TED Talks. And to hear her perspective on relationships is just, a, it's a fascinating and invigorating thing. And the idea of having somebody who has experience like that come in and also share, I think, is a, is a really, really great idea. Thank you so much. Well, let's let's kind of close this by making it practical for our listeners, because, of course, the question that all of this begs is how do our listeners go about creating some type of, uh, well, not necessarily creating a mission, but having kind of developing a mission and then actually doing something with that mission, going beyond mm-hmm. just talking about it, um, philosophizing about it, if you will, but actually <laughs> weaving it into their business, making it a part of what their brand is about. Can you, can you share with our listeners maybe an idea or two of how they can go about beginning this process and it's stepping toward actually weaving their mission into their brand? 
Absolutely. So <laughs> not to be funny, but the first step truly is figuring out what your life mission is, which yeah. when I say that, some people are gonna be like, okay, jump back. That's, <laughs> that's really intimidating. My life's mission, you know, my calling that, that can feel really huge and heavy and it doesn't have to be. Think about what's something that you truly connect with and something that lights you up inside. You know, maybe it's empowering women. Maybe it's the protecting the environment, whatever your potential why might be, look inside and think about the causes and philosophies that you're already passionate about. And then just focus on that because clients and potential clients can tell when we're forcing something, but authenticity always draws people in and they're going to want to be a part of your movement. So it could look like journaling out some ideas of here are some things that I'm really, again, here's that word, but really passionate about, or here's what lights me up. And then from there, maybe it's just brainstorming, you know, two to three potential ways that you could weave it into your business. So let's say if you decided that uh, environmentalism is important to you, maybe you make an effort to go paperless in your business, or maybe you make donations to environmentally friendly charities and nonprofits. And when you're making that list, just remind yourself that anything is possible, that you're not committed to every single thing that you write down on the list. You're simply opening yourself up to any ideas that come to you and knowing that whatever ideas come, they're all good and they're all perfect and they're meant to be on that list. And you don't have to pursue all of them. But that way you're opening yourself up to the chance of, okay, what is possible for me? Where can I possibly make an impact? What's going to feel really, really great to me. And then once you have that list, the next step that I would suggest is maybe finding two or three friends, maybe your significant other as well, and just bouncing those ideas off of them and say to them, you know, hey, you know how I'm really passionate and excited about this. What do you, I'd love, I'd love to introduce this into my business. What do you think about this idea or this idea? Or if you don't have anyone in your life that you know, could do that for you. I mean, first, anyone is always welcome to reach out to me. I love having those conversations, whether it's social media or email or phone. Um, But also look for either a local group that might be supportive of that, whether that's a Rising Tide Society meeting, or maybe you search on Facebook, like people, uh, maybe it's women in entrepreneurship, men in entrepreneurship, photographers groups, anything like that, where you might have a community of like-minded individuals that you could bounce those ideas off of. And I would just start with those two to three tips of honing in on what really lights you up, making a list of some possible ideas, and then just bouncing those ideas off of somebody else. And I think that that last part of having that community is really important because sometimes people can see even more for us than we can see for ourselves. It's true. Yeah. Objective feedback is such a good thing. In fact, I was even asking for your feedback before we started recording today on the podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. You've you've spent some time listening to the podcast and thank you for that. But it's good to hear perspective, outside perspective on, hey, you could do this thing a little bit different. And I think it'd be more impactful being being willing to, again, set ego aside and ask those questions but actually to tap into that wonderful, wonderful resource, which is community, it's, it, I don't know that we're doing it enough. You know, it's convenient to type away on Facebook in a Facebook group, and that certainly has some value. But taking the time to go have coffee or lunch and sit down and have those conversations in person can be really impactful, too. So I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up. But I want to go back to the first point that you made, which is this idea of a life mission. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think similar to a phrase that we hear quite a bit in our culture, um, th- this idea of, quote, finding yourself. I think much like this notion of finding yourself, which I think is in some ways anyway, a bit of a misnomer, you know, like we're looking for this arbitrary thing out there that's going to somehow, you know, I mean, the, the, the angels are going to sing when we land on it. We're going to realize that's, that's me. And then mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna, to you know, be that person the rest of our life. I think that ultimately we have the wonderful opportunity, ability, and luxury to decide who we want to be. And that is largely based on our life experience. And similarly, when it comes to this idea of a life mission, what is my life going to be about? I I think part of the reason that maybe finding or deciding on a life's mission is that similarly, a lot of people may assume that, well, this this so-called mission is going to just miraculously show itself to me at some point. And once it does, then I can run with it. But until then, I'm kind of stuck. Whereas what you're suggesting, Kate, is, I mean, and, and 
again, because of your story, and, and we'll link to that other podcast episode in the show notes so those of you can listen a little bit more about it, but because of your story, your life experience, and its impact on you, you've been able to decide, you know what, this is so impactful to me or was so impactful to me and ultimately the, the, the experience of then having a relationship that has made this kind of impact on me. It's so significant that I want to help others have that feeling. That very clearly then essentially established itself or you, you really d- decided, hey, this is my mission. This is the thing that matters most to me or one of the things that matters most to me and I wanna actually do something about it. And it's, and it's really that, I'll put in air quotes here, simple, uh, in that we can look at our experiences, we can look at emotional impact, and we can see what, as a result, is most important to us. Pick one of those and run with it. And um, I, I think that's a good place to start. It doesn't necessarily have to be so overwhelming that this idea of finding our life mission. And then the other thing that you might, I mean, the examples that you were giving when it came to, you know, brainstorming ideas, uh, we talked about environmentalism, for example, with, with, a, with a photography business and how to, to kind of focus on that as a mission. I think of another idea, like maybe you could do, we talked about mini sessions earlier, mini sessions that where all of the, the fees go to donate toward an organization. You know, they're photographed yes. outside at a beautiful park and you could take those fees and donate them to a nonprofit that is involved in environmentalism. I mean, the, the list really can go on and it can be a lot of fun. You can get creative mm-hmm. with it. And I think that's, these are some great examples that, that you shared um, in that regard. But brainstorming those ideas and then having somebody to share those with and kind of throw those ideas around with is also a great thing. So for those of you listening in, you have the info, you have the inspiration here. Um, thanks to Kate. And it's time to go do something. Go go do something that actually matters to you more than just clicking a, a shutter on a camera, you know, creating a beautiful image in Photoshop. Do something that, that goes deeper and learn how to weave that into your photography business and the art that you create and experience the fulfillment that comes from doing something that you are truly, and again, we'll use the word passionate about, that is a reflection of who you are. I think it's so important for the sake of fulfillment and happiness in our lives. I really appreciate you making time to share all of this with us, Kate. This has been a really wonderful episode, really great conversation. And uh, if you will, just to kind of uh, finish our conversation, share with our listeners one more time where they can find you, both your website and social media as well. Well, thank you so much, Nathan. It's been such a pleasure. I adore this podcast. So I can be found at clemstudios.com. So that's K-L-E-M studios.com, Clem Studios on Facebook or Clem Studios Photography on Instagram. Perfect. And again, we'll link to all of those in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Kate, once again, thank you so much. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.